The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith, and one of us doesn't actually have a faith. And that's wonderful. We all love one another, and we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for listening and speculating with us. There you go. That was good. Yes. (laughs) You are listening to the Burroughs of Berea. Well, welcome back to the Burroughs of Berea. I am Rick Welch. And how about across the room? Rocket Man, Andy Bishop. Hello. Charlton R. Carter the Third. Woohoo. <laughs> Cherry the Annihilator Lewis. Hello. And straight out of Compton, Ralph Hicks. Represent. So we are here, Berean Bible Church in Virginia Beach again. And we have a somebody that I just recently met just a little while ago. And I've gotten to know your husband a little bit. So this is Denise Sullivan. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Mike has been on the show a couple of times, two or three times. We've become some, you know, friends. We've been talking mm-hmm. a lot, and so uh, I asked if I could have you on the show and you share your testimony. Absolutely. So let's just jump right into this, shall we? What is Mike's social security number? <laughs> <laughs> well, I know the last four digits, but I can't share that. Technically, that's all I need. So no, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, really. <laughs> I ask every guest that my very first question is, can you tell me your earliest memory of when you heard the name Jesus Christ? Mm. Um, probably seven years old. My dad's a preacher, oh. minister of the Church of Christ. Oh, okay. I grew up in Edenton, North Carolina, just literally down the road from here. Oh. And that's where they still live. Really? Now, is he still preaching? Off and on. Yeah. So you were raised in a preacher's home. Yes. All right. So you heard the name at the age of seven. That's when I remember. <laughs> That's when you remember. Specifically because we moved to Edenton, and my dad took over that congregation, that church. And that was very vivid memory. Yeah. Yeah. So how about your salvation experience? Mm, I always knew God. I always knew his existence from very early on. Um, You know, you you hear that someone is a preacher's kid and all sorts of things kind of come into your head. Yeah. Um, My childhood was not an easygoing childhood. It was very tumultuous. Mm. Very. Really? (laughs) Yeah, very. Um, My... My sister, let's see, I am six years older than my closest sister. I have a twin brother. Then we have a sister that's six years younger, and then a sister that's nine years younger. Mm-hmm. And my sister that's six years younger than I am, who I'm relatively close to at this point, um, she's like, yeah, it was, it was bad, Denise. It was bad. Really? That's not the word she uses. It's the word I'm using. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> it, was, it was bad. It was not an easy childhood at all. No. Yeah. But I always knew God was there. He was the one constant knowing, even before I probably, even before I know I was a Christian and a child of His, I knew He was there. I knew that everything was going to be 
okay because I knew he was there. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when things would be rough inside the house, and I remember one very vivid memory is we grew up with fields all around our house. We grew up in the country and fields all the, all around our house. And um, I remember very distinctly being so upset and not having any idea what in the world I had done wrong to deserve everything that happened and going outside and um, they were plowing the fields. They were turning up peanuts as it was harvest and they were turning over the fields to turn up the peanuts and smelling the fresh dirt and seeing the clear blue Carolina sky and just knowing it's all good. God's there. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming now you don't have to go into like super deep detail if you don't want to, but there was something that's been that's going on inside your family that's really bad. Is that something you'd rather not share? Uh, Well, dad didn't know a lot of what was going on inside the house with mom. Mm. Um, But mom was very, very verbally and physically abusive Mm. Um, with all all four of us, but especially the two of us because we were so much older, my brother and myself. And we carried a lot of the... Um, physical abuse mm-hmm. um, protected my sisters quite a bit from that. Mm-hmm. Um, the verbal abuse carried on after my brother and I left. Um, but, you know, yeah, that was... Was this in relationship, like, to your faith? Her, she's being she's a pastor's wife, right? Mm-hmm. So is this, is she doing this to try to control you, to make you, like, put on a facade or look like something that you're not? or I think it was more frustration and disappointment. Um, the church that my dad took over in Edenton was a very unique church in many respects. Uh, when we got there, probably within a year after my dad took over being the minister of the church— the congregation cut in half. Half of the members just left. Mm-hmm. The ones that were left were all black. So you have an all-white minister's family with an all-black church, most of whom were women and children. Very, very poor. Mm-hmm. So my dad for years, and I didn't realize this for a very long time, but my dad for years gave up a salary. Mm-hmm. to keep the doors open, to keep the heat on, to keep the water going. And my mother was tasked with the responsibility of being the main breadwinner. That is not a position I think she ever saw herself in mm-hmm. or ever wanted to be in. And, and also the primary caregiver? Um, yeah, because my dad most of the time was over in the office, over in the church building office studying So he had no idea what we kids did. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) No clue. Yeah. So in regard to your salvation experience, you know, you you said you, you know, got, did this happen like at your your dad's church or was this uh, in your adult life or when? When I was finally saved? Yes. Okay. So I remember distinctly 
and my brother and I had the conversation at the same time. Um, we were talking, and he was—we were probably on a road trip somewhere because my dad's very fervent belief was if there was a Church of Christ within driving distance that was having a gospel meeting or an area-wide fellowship that you went. Mm-hmm. So we were constantly going places. But I remember, I think it was in the car, and we were talking, and my brother was like, man, you know, Dad's been talking a lot lately about sin. And he was like, do we sin? And I said, yeah, I, I, I'm hearing that, you know, and, and I'm recognizing that there are some things that we do that we shouldn't be doing, and God says that that's sin. How old were you at this time? We were 12. 12, okay. We were 12. And I very distinctly remember having that conversation. And you and your twin brother are having this at the same time. Yes. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. (laughs) My brother and I also had a couple of dreams. Same dreams? At the same time, same dream. Oh, wow. And we could fill each other in. That was really wild. (laughs) That is crazy. (laughs) Um, But yeah, we had that conversation, and we both decided, because we're Church of Christ, we need to be baptized. Like, we need to... We understand that we're sinners. We understand that we need the blood of Christ. Mm-hmm. So we were baptized. Um, it wasn't until much later, because I was very indoctrinated with the baptism and the, and the need for water salvation. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until much later as an adult, actually moving in North Carolina after um, my first husband and I were in North Carolina, that I started going what about this water baptism? Mm-hmm. That wasn't until much much later, right? Yeah, but so you but you believe that your experience happened at that age at twelve? Yes. Yeah, yeah, and I I'm very similar. I had yeah. a, a twelve. I was ten years old, and you know, living in an atheist household, it was a very weird feeling. Oh, I but can't that was imagine. the moment for me. You know, I can go back. Yeah, I, I didn't have it all together, but that was right. that moment. So I know where you're at. I right. totally get that. Yeah. So take us from there to the present. Like walk us through your life. I re- I'm really curious how you got to where you are. I know that you're a traveling nurse, and I definitely want to ask you about some of that. Okay. But take us from 12 to the present, to the best of your ability. Oh, from 12. I mean, it was really survival in the house, mm-hmm. trying to walk that fine line of trying to read my mom's mind, what it is she wanted, what it is she expected. Um, I took a lot of blame and things um, that I shouldn't have that were never my fault to prevent my sisters from really suffering a lot of what my brother and I suffered. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was survival. I was not the best student in high school. Um, but before we even got to high school, my parents pulled us out of school, home taught us for seventh and eighth grade. So it was very—that was— um, those were not real fun years. No? You had to stay home all the time? You're saturated. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're completely enclosed and saturated for two years without any kind of break. Well, yeah, that's— From the environment. <laughs> yeah. So that was pushing through and just pushing through, and then all of a sudden being thrust into high school with no friends, no contact— in a community, if you know anything about Edenton, it is a very old town with very old money, (laughs) with very old established families. Mm -hmm. And 
you know. So you were well liked and everything went perfect when you came in. A hundred percent. So you had so you got thrust into that, and so now your life. So you're coming of age. All these things are yeah. happening. Plus, you have to deal with all this. So right. Yeah. Coming of age, all of this stuff happening. Um, I was sexually assaulted in high school. Mm. Um, not knowing what to do, where to go, where to turn, because I'm sure it was going to be my fault, just the way everything happened at home. Um, so it was a t- very tumultuous high school experience. Can I, I say something? Mm-hmm. You know, I've had a lot of these testimonies, and you would be shocked at how many people actually say that this has happened to them, sexual assault. You know, it's so, like we say one in three, man, I think it's worse. Mm-hmm. I think it's one out of two. One in three is pretty damn bad. I'm telling you right now, that was bad. So anyway, I just want you to know you're not alone. A lot of people, a lot of people you're looking at, mm-hmm. they're dealing with the same thing. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So anyway, so you're in this tumultuous situation. You've you've had this assault. You're trying to figure it out. You don't want to, you know people are going to blame you. Right, right. Yeah. Um, And I act out, you know. I was very promiscuous in high school. Mm-hmm. Just totally acted out. Yeah. Um, never drank, never smoked, never never went that end, but very, very promiscuous. So it in opens high up because it opens up this it opens you up. Sure. You don't really realize it. Right. It's happening subconsciously. And so it's and right. that's the creatures that we are. And so there you are. Right. And so and, now and you, I, you think a lot of yourself now, right? No. Like at that time, <laughs> right? You right. you're just your feeling is what you're doing. Right. And so um, my dad stopped preaching in Edenton, and we had actually started for a few years going to Williamston, North Carolina. And there was a very teeny tiny little church in Williamston, North Carolina. And my dad took over, or my dad, he didn't take over preaching he had finally gone back. His original degree from Lamar University, which is where my mom got her degree from, was in blood bank in the lab in the hospital. So she, he, both mom and dad have a four-year degree in that. And dad quit that. He went to preaching school um, in Dallas, Texas, and um, became a preacher. And that's how we ended up in North Carolina. Hmm. We actually started here in Virginia oh, okay. at Norfolk. Um, oh, straight up the street. Church of Christ. And that's where he did some mentoring and preceptorship and then got the job in Edenton. Um, so he stopped that because just needed with two kids going to college, needed more of an income than obviously that teeny tiny church in Edenton was going to give mom and dad. Um, so we went to Williamston. Dad went back into the lab work in the hospital. Um and that's where I met my first husband and got to know his family. And they actually still live in Williamston as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but before I got married, it was always a given that we were going to be going to a Church of Christ school for college. Ah. So we went to David Lipscomb University in Nashville, Tennessee. And that's where my brother got his four-year degree and then moved on from there. And I got my certificate in marriage because I didn't finish. Oh, okay. Now, did you say a Christian all this time? Um, Always a believer. Would I say that I was faithful? I mean, once you're a Christian, you're always a Christian. Was I always faithful and closely connected with God? No. 
Well, the only reason I ask is I, we've, I've, we've been through a lot of these and I've been through a lot of them when people have had something happen to them. And I know some people now that are young that are dealing with this. When this happens to them, a lot of times they turn away from God or say, I don't believe or, or what. So is that something no. that ever happened to you or do you no. stayed faithful the whole no. time? No, always stayed faithful. Did not stay very connected to God. How is it that you were able, if you don't mind me asking, how sure. is it you're able to, in the midst of all of that, because I know several young people that have said, you know, if God let this happen to me, then then I'm not going to believe in him or I don't care or he doesn't care about me. How were you able to 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 reconcile and, and I've always asked, that? I've always asked myself that. Um, and the grace of God, that is the only thing that I know. I never blamed God. I never saw anything as God's fault. I was always very well aware that we as humans make choices. Even as a child, I knew that we made choices. And even as a child, I knew that I made, at times, deliberate choices that got myself in trouble. So I can't blame God for that. And if I make choices that are bad, then other people make choices that are bad. And it's not God's fault. Mm-hmm. That's something I've always been aware of, if not had the ability to express. Sure. So you, so now that at this point you're still in Williamson, you get you get married. Um, well, we're we're at Lipscomb. Lipscomb. I come back. We get married. Um, head off to Memphis so that my husband can finish optometry school in mm-hmm. Memphis, Tennessee. Um, I don't like that city. <laughs> it's a little dirty. It's a little dirty. Hey there, yes. rep. <laughs> um, and then we come back to Williamston. Graceland's there, man. I like Graceland. You ever been there? No. It's nice. It's fun. <laughs> Does that make it? Because after dirty. I saw after I saw someone being body slammed by by people yeah, in the yeah, mall, yeah. I was yeah. like, I'm yeah, done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, uh, we came back to Williamston. Um, tried to make a business work in Williamston. It didn't. So somehow we ended up in Western North Carolina. Hmm. Not from where we are. <laughs> so so you, we by business, up, do you mean like an optometry? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He tried to. Oh, really? Yeah. He didn't try to. My, my ex-husband didn't try to start his own business at that time. Um, but given the debt that he was in coming out of school mm-hmm. um, and the salary that he was making in one of the box lens crafters kind of thing. Uh, okay. It wasn't paying. Right. Yeah. So were, did you remain in the Church of Christ at this point? Yeah. Throughout this entire point? Yes. We were always Church of Christ. Um, I mean, that was just really indoctrinated and ingrained at that time. Mm-hmm. Like, there was no thought of any other. Yeah. Of looking outside of that. So you've looked outside of that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so take me on that journey. I want to know, like, so take me from that being indoctrinated, okay. having all of that to where you are today. Okay. So we we got to Silva mm-hmm. in Silva, North Carolina, up there in the mountains. Yeah. Um, pretty pretty little town. I love Pretty little town, yes. Um, and I got involved in... Um, I got involved in a women's Bible study, community Bible study in in Silva pretty early on because all of my kids, I think Abby, my oldest, who's 23, she was um, three months when we moved. 
She was about three months old when we moved and got to Silva. So um, very early on, got involved in a women's Bible study and met a particular friend. Um, We are since estranged, uh, but for many years, this particular friend, we were very, very close. And she was like, have you thought about, you know, salvation? Have you thought about grace? Like, and how, are we, how old are you at this point? How old am I? Yeah. When 25. Okay, so you've been, since seven, you talked about this moment since seven, and you're at 25. You've been Church of Christ your whole life, mm-hmm. and this person's looking at you and saying, have you thought about grace and salvation? Have you thought about grace? Yeah. You know, it was like, why do you, why does Church of Christ believe this? And really challenging me, really mm-hmm. challenging. And I had no answers except for the pat answers that Church of Christ gives, you know? Yeah. I was like, I hadn't really thought about it. My faith really wasn't that deep other than a very solid knowledge that God is there, that I am a child of His. Beyond that, it really wasn't that deep. Um, And so when she challenged me, other than the pat answers that Church of Christ always tends to give, which they say that they don't. Yeah. But they do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think they all do. Yeah, they all do. Um, I, I, I didn't have anything. And so I sat very quietly and listened um, in this women's Bible study just to different experiences and other people's testimonies through their life and, and their hardships and things like that. Um, I wouldn't say that this women's Bible study went a whole lot deeper, you know? I mean, Beth Moore only gets so deep. Yeah. Sure. Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Joyce Meyer and Beth Moore only get so deep. Right. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and for those of you that hear a bunch of ruckus in the background, we're setting up lunch here at the church, so I apologize, but just fight through it. Fight through it. But um, I really started, that That was when my, my journey into God's grace and the role of baptism really started I started questioning, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And we also had one study where it sort of opened my mind up, and I had no idea at the time because I'm like 25, 26, Mm -hmm. maybe 27 at the time because I'd been going to it for a few years. One more baby, you know. May have been number three at Mm. that time. Um, Yeah. Going, we started talking about Daniel and the prophecies in Daniel. Mm. And it started questioning some things that I had always questioned as a child, mm-hmm. but just sort of like brushed off, you know? Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, just started opening my mind up more to this is not what everyone believes. Yeah. Um, there's more to grace than what I've been taught. Mm-hmm. There's more to grace than what Church of Christ offers. Yeah, when we we sat with Don Preston and listened to that because I, I he he was talking about his father, you know, was in Church of Christ, and yeah. he said his father was odd because he taught grace, and I was like, what? Like, because I didn't know, you know, and and I guess his church at the time would teach that you could lose your salvation, which is something that I don't believe. But was your sect they believe they believe they could lose? Oh their yes. Salvation? Very much so. 
you can definitely lose it. How did that make you feel whenever you start hearing these other verses and it's like, oh, by the way, his grace is sufficient for you. Was that, I mean, you had the moment, right? Like we all do, like, wait, what? <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, okay. And still trying to reconcile Church of Christ, like, okay, but I can believe this and I can believe this for myself, but sure. I can still sit in here and fellowship. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Right, of course. Yeah, yeah. But very much becoming very aware that His grace is sufficient and you don't necessarily have to be dunked. And what is that? And how does is that analogy in with circumcision? And isn't that a work? And all of the these works, faith, and all of this stuff starts turning in your head. Mm-hmm. And my husband, my still husband at that time, has no answers because he's just like, you just need to quit questioning. You know, our our yeah, parents stop learning. We're, that we're, stop mm-hmm. learning. Like Don't whatever my no dad believed, whatever my dad believes and your dad believes, they they wouldn't lie to us on purpose. So you just need to stop. Do you guys remember that whenever we did the Preston thing? Remember what you remember what the uh, elders told him? Yes. Yeah. We we don't want the people to ask questions. We need you to stop. That's not the only time we've heard that. That's odd, no. isn't it? It seems to be repetitive a lot. Yes. Yeah. Stop questioning. <laughs> stop reading just the Bible. Just go with what you've been told and move stop on. Questioning. Yes. Yeah. Don't and think. then at the same time, my marriage is falling apart. Sure. You're asking too many questions. Well, it's also falling apart because I'm becoming aware that something is very wrong mm-hmm. in our marriage. And it takes a very long time for me to understand that, oh, we have a pornography issue. Oh, okay. So my marriage is falling apart. Um, Pornography is a huge role and a huge factor in that. Um, I'm also starting to question, you know, what I've been taught and raised to believe. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't really have a lot of good places to go because it's still Church of Christ and you still don't, you just don't divorce and remarry. You just don't. Right. Divorce and remarriage in the church. Well, I don't think it's it's good in any church, I don't think, right? But especially in the Church of Christ. Especially in the Church of Christ. Right. Yeah. So here you are now, you have this marriage that's falling apart. It's definitely falling apart. Yes. You have four children? Four children at this point. So now you're going to be, you're a single mom. Yes. You have four kids. Yes. And so your parents are incredibly happy. Awesome. Yes. Obviously not. So tell me a little bit about that. So now you're learning a lot of these things, you know, Mm -hmm. you're coming out, you're, you're having these studies, then you find all this bad stuff in your marriage. And then now you're trying to, you're trying to bring yourself and, and your children into something better. And but you're not getting a whole lot of support, right? No. Um, the church gave, uh, well, also, I guess at this point, it should, it's probably important to mention that um, by this time, this was the second time that we had gotten a foreclosure notice on mm. our house oh, boy. that I had no idea was coming. Mm. Yeah. You didn't know? No clue. Second time. Wow. First time the sheriff pulls up into my driveway, wow. hands me a foreclosure notice that I have no idea is coming. No clue. So you're losing your home. Yeah. Yeah. You got these kids. You... Yeah. Wow. Um, so the Church of Christ, when I finally say, and I'm I'm the one that finally said I'm done. Yeah. I'm I'm done with 
having no idea what's going on in my marriage. I'm done with having the rug pulled out from underneath my feet. I'm done with not knowing what's going on privately with my husband. Like, I have no idea. Um, I end it. The church gives me and the kids a place to live. It's not very nice, but it's something I can afford. And I have just graduated nursing school. Okay. So I got a two-year degree in nursing, knowing I could see where the road was going. Yeah. I had to do something that was going to support me and my kids. So I got a two-year degree from the local community college, um, which happened to have an excellent program at that time. I was very fortunate. Um, was that in Silva, too? It was Southwestern? A, yeah, Southwestern. Hey, and, they have a great TV and uh, radio broadcasting at Southwestern. <laughs> I almost went to that. I, I really wanted to, but I didn't. But that was a door that God opened, and mm. I could see that very, very clearly. I, I tried nutrition at Western. I tried um, a lot of different other things. I was very active at the gym at that time. They wanted me to go and get all kinds of certifications and start training there. And all of those doors shut, but nursing opened. And God opened those doors and walked me through mm. very easily into the nursing program. Yeah. Um, and I have had a wonderful career in that for the last 10 years. Um, that was definitely, looking back, you can see God open every single door and shut everything else yeah. in terms of a career. Um, but I had just graduated, so I was working night shift at yeah. that time, you know, so I could be home during the day with the kids um, and be available to them and still earn and make a living at night. Sure. And yeah. So I'm, I mean, when did that stud Mike Sullivan come into your life? <laughs> <laughs> so I had met Mike actually a few years earlier. Um, yeah. My oldest daughter, Abby, and his youngest daughter, Rachel, um, were in dance class together. And so I met Mike when our daughters were taking dance. And we had a couple of conversations. We had a few conversations. Um, it wasn't about oh, preterism, was it? <laughs> As a matter of fact, a few things came <laughs> oh up. Oh, my gosh. Right off the bat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right away. Yeah, because he's so shy about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's but, but, you know, talk about, yeah, I mean, you know, God closing doors and opening right. doors. Um, and he sort of brought to light other questions that I had always had, you know, yeah. in terms of, the end of the world, and what does that, you know, and, 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 what you was know. it you said to me earlier uh, about the flood? Oh, when you said you were little, it was one of those what questions. When I was teen, when even when I was little, I mean, li like, you know, in all of the little classes that you go to, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, and talk about, okay, well, God gave us the rainbow, you know, and that means that He would never destroy the world with water again. Mm -hmm. Oh, so that means He's going to burn it up, like fire, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So even as a kid, even as a kid, I always had those questions. Mm -hmm. There were questions that I still always had, and so you you combine a lot of things. My marriage falling apart, you know, one of the things that's sort of ingrained in you, or at least it was ingrained in me as Church of Christ. And maybe it's unique to me, but I was always taught that if you, you know, you believe A and you do B, C should be the result. Sure. And that was not what happened at all. Mm. And I'm like, oh, my God, what is going on? Everything is just falling apart. 
So all of these questions and this upheaval. And after my husband and I, after I finally separated, I spent six months by myself. Mm-hmm. And I didn't communicate with, really with anybody. Mm. I just immerse myself with God and let myself be alone with God. Mm. One thing I had never done, because I am a twin, (laughs) I've never been alone. Never liked to Man, be alone. Man, even from the very beginning, in from, the womb. Exactly. Womb in the room, the womb. <laughs> exactly. I never wanted There's to be no alone. There's no room in the inn. <laughs> <laughs> no room in the womb. I never wanted to be alone. Yeah. Hated, hated being alone. And I realized that if I'm going to be good for anybody else, I have to be good with me and God first. Yeah. I have to be okay with just me and God, and I have to be whole in and of myself mm-hmm. before I can be good for anybody else. So I spent six months, and I just prayed, okay, Lord, I, I don't know what doors you're going to open, but whoever you bring into my life, it's going to be up to you because I am not going to go out of my way to look for anybody. Mm-hmm. And that's when Mike showed up again. Yeah. That's awesome. So, so tell me where you are now. How how are things going? Like, so your family are still involved in the Church of Christ. Oh yes. And so how? I mean, now now when I say when I say family, yeah, only share what you want to share. You know, my mom and dad. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Um, Both my sisters are married. Um, They have families of their own. Neither one really attend church Mm -hmm. at this point. Um, my brother is went from Lipscomb. He got his master's at Virginia Tech and then got his PhD from Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And he is a professor at David Lipscomb University. He oh, wow. still does go to church. Um, as far as what his actual beliefs are, they probably mirror, I would say, my mom and dad's. Okay. Yeah, he probably doesn't do a whole lot of questioning mm-hmm. um, and any kind of interaction what little bit he he would have, like, say, with Mike on Facebook <laughs> yeah. about any of this, Mike could shut him down very, very easily. Right. <laughs> so it's just like hands off at this point. Mike's done that to me like five times. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it out of love, Mike. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> That's his so, MO. That's right. <laughs> But, but I have to I have to tell you though he did back it up. So when he shuts when he shuts you down, he actually he backs does, it up. He he's not just yes, shutting you down does. because he feels like it. Even though I think he is, but he's not. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, as far as I mean, I still talk to my mom. My dad is very hard of hearing, so talking to him over the phone is is a feat. <laughs> um, but I still talk to my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been several years. Since I've seen my parents, yeah, and at this point, I am not welcome, yeah, to spend your, the night with my parents at their house anymore. Has your mom ever found any sort of center or calm or peace for herself, or is she? Um, she seems to be much more calm, especially with all of us out of the house, with the stress of that out of the house, um, with retirement, with. More of an income, I would say that's that's much more steady for her. Um, so maybe not, but things are easier. Yeah. So it's hard to say. But it's hard are to easier. say. It's hard to say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's hard to say because <laughs> if you challenge, she any, gave a look. <laughs> yeah. If you challenge anything, it's uh, still yeah. Come okay. Out. So that sounds kind of like a no. 
It sounds Still like a, it sounds out. like times are easier, but as long as you don't challenge. Yeah, that's yeah. unfortunate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How'd you like that mic work she was doing there, buddy? Oh yeah. She's, 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 yeah, she's a got plus. That. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing good over Absolutely. there. So, so would you say your your separation from your parents? Because I can I can definitely note with that. Is that more of the theology separation, or is it the other things of the turmoil from the childhood? Definitely the theology. Would it? Definitely the theology. Um, I think one of the things that grace and understanding grace and truly accepting it, it has allowed me to really put a lot of that down. I don't hold it against my mom. I know how my mom was raised. So if I thought my childhood was bad, I know what hers was like. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Um, and I know the pressure she was under being a preacher's wife with the expectations and always having to be there. Like I can, I I remember two o'clock in the morning, you know, people beating on my parents' doors because they needed someone to put them up in a hotel. They needed someone to give them food, to get them something to eat. I remember you know, and my my dad was everything. My dad was, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, prison ministry, nursing home ministry. My dad did it all. He carried it all for mm-hmm. many, many years until the men, the two or three men of the church were strong enough per my dad in their faith to be able to carry some of the burden. Um and so that put a lot of pressure on my mom. Like when we would have dinner on the grounds, my mom made 90% of the food. So we're trucking it all over. Mm-hmm. You know, our house was wow. right across the street and we're carrying it all over. Yeah. I know the burden that was put on them. Um, and unfortunately, they just don't want to have a conversation that challenges any of their views. And so at this point, not only am I divorced and remarried, but I am Grace. Um, <laughs> interesting side note, my grandfather, my step-grandfather was Samuel Johnson, was Samuel Lewis Johnson from Dallas Theological Seminary. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> so the fights. <laughs> <laughs> But he was a five-point Calvinist, and so the fights between my step-grandfather and my grandmother and my dad were quite loud. You know, I remember them. I remember them. Um, But I'm a five-point Calvinist at this point, and I'm also a full preterist, and so I am. (laughs) Yeah, David Curtis said amen in the back there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, I am um, definitely a heretic. On all accounts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I will convert you all to Welchianism eventually. No, I'm just kidding. So um, now, and now you, you and Mike um, are married. So you have a daughter. We do. We have a six year old. Yeah. Yes. Now, whenever Mike, were you guys together when Mike was writing his books? Not, not the first one. No, but I am very much so. With his, with the second one. Yeah, yes. you guys kind of like mm-hmm. talk about it and work together. Yes, yeah. we did. Mm. Yes, and and we did a lot of uh, um, research 
especially when he did the conference where he presented Islam versus Jewish Zionism versus Christian Zionism. Mm -hmm. We did a lot of that uh, research together. Ah. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Speaking of Mike's books, when did you write Preterism and Picking Up Women? What year did you print that one? <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Can I, can I, I, I want an autographed copy, please. Dude. Hold on, hold on. Hey, you got to get on yeah, the mic. You got to get on the mic. Get on you that can, mic right can, there, Mike. You can speak to that one right there. Mike on the mic. Mike on the mic. <laughs> yeah, that one's open. We, we started talking, and we started talking about Nero in Revelation 666. And oh, what a pickup she, she line. Been, she, yeah, she was like, that oh, dude yeah. is so hot. He's, he's a stud. <laughs> he's a beast. Yeah, he's a beast. Yeah, it's so, probably a good thing you're handsome. He's a beast. Yeah. He's a beast. Nice. But, but uh, that was a good starter, and she was interested. And yeah. Hey, <laughs> try that at your local pub, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Bring up Nero. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but you got to look at this guy with his bulging arms and I chest know. muscles yeah. and everything, I'm, too. I'm just saying that's a good that, thing. It's a good thing you're smile. handsome. Yeah. yeah, it's a good thing you're handsome. No. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Well, Denise Sullivan. Actually, can I call you D-Nice? You may. Good. <laughs> no, I really appreciate you being on the show and sharing well, with thank us. Thank you. It means a lot. Ralph, Cherry, Charlton. Yeah. <laughs> Andy, Represent. Appreciate mm-hmm. you guys being down here. Absolutely. Berean Bible Church. Thank you, thank you guys thank you. all. We will talk to you again next time. After we eat this food. After we <laughs> eat this food. <laughs> See ya. See ya. Bye. Hey, all you Burroughs of Berea listeners, I have been getting questioned on how you can help give support to the podcast, which is crazy, Andy. People actually want to give us money. Isn't that neat? I, I was going to say I don't understand it because I thought that might be funny, but but I do understand it and genuinely appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. So here's what we want to do, okay? First of all, we're going to tell you how you can help us if you want, but I also want to tell you exactly where the money's going. None of this money is going to be used actually to make any content. We're not going to do that. I'm going to continue to do that. We're just going to keep making content. But what we wanted to do was something weird. We want to put up billboards around the country. We want to have these donkey faces everywhere. Not our faces, but our donkey faces <laughs> put up everywhere to try to get people to come to listen to the podcast. One of the things that I've been hearing from some of the positive stuff has to do with that we're lighthearted and we're reading the scriptures and we're just, we get along, you know, and that's, that's important. It's something that we all need to be able to do. We ought to be able to just read a book and talk about it and not sure. feel like we're going to slaughter each other at the end of the day, right? So here's all you have to do. If you'll go to www.patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash the Burrows of Berea, and it'll take you to our Patreon page. And you will see we've got like 10, 11, 12, you know, people that give monthly. And each one of those, there are different levels. You can pay $3 and you're a mini burrow. You can be uh, a Brer Warrior, and that gives 10 bucks or something like that. And it goes all the way up to like 20 bucks. But anybody that wants to give, if you would go to Patreon and do it there, all that money that's going to be accruing there, we're going to be using to put billboards around the country. And so as soon as the first billboard gets up, I'm going to send pictures and show you that they're up. And hopefully we can just get people to come and listen to the show. My favorite idea that I have 
is on a place that I sat for five hours, which is Interstate 5 in Los Angeles. It was the worst. God, how much is a billboard there? Uh, I don't know. Because the traffic. It, exactly. You and know so people so would see it. There's so much traffic. Yeah. And they're going to be like, what's a, what is this all about all these donkeys? You know? <laughs> so help us out. So again, guys, that's what it's for. If you go to www.patreon.com forward slash the boroughs of Berea, pick a level, help us out. We will be putting out notes. I try to put out some notes, you know, quite often. Uh, we've also, you can go to boroughsofbrea.com and you can sign up for our newsletter and we'll keep you guys updated as we accrue. Once we get to that level, it's probably $5,000 for a week or maybe 20,000 for a month in LA. I don't know, whatever it yeah. is, but I want to see that happen one day. So guys, help us out. Tell other people about us. Share anytime you can. Listen. Give us feedback. Um, And we love you guys. It's been so much fun. We look forward to another year. Yeah, thank you. It is really fun. Yeah, very much so. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you later.